This is the Physics Lounge. So I guess I should tell you guys a little bit about me. Now I'm a PhD student at the George Washington University. I study physics. There, um, I've been. I was doing quantum field theory work over the summer. Well, lattice field theory, so it wasn't so much. No, well, it was technically quantum field theory, but the idea is you take the path integral and you turn it into a sum over a specific set of points in a space that you define. We call this a lattice, hence lattice lattice field theory. And then we set that up and we run what are called we rotate that into a flat space time or Euclidean space time because if you're in a Minkowski space time, which is a space time used in like relativity and what the Lorentz group acts on, uh, you actually end up with a path integral that has a complex exponential in it. And that's very problematic because if you have a complex exponential then there's no way to really figure out where the weights are, like where your contributions are for different uh, actions. Because you could have an action that's actually quite large that contributes a lot to your path integral, which is against what we see classically, which is the path that has the smallest action is the one that we expect to dominate, you know, path of least action, Hamilton's principle. I'm sure some of you have heard of this if you've taken any mechanics, and even if you haven't, you've probably heard that term before. Uh, but so we rotate our space-time into a flat space-time because that take makes our action real, and it actually makes it so that we have a negative exponential in our path integral so that um, fields, field configurations with very high, large actions are actually suppressed exponentially. And so this make this is this makes it very nice for us to do Monte Carlo simulations on these path integrals, because we have this suppressing exponential. So we could literally just sample on something that looks like the Boltzmann distribution, you know, e to the minus x, which is um, if you have like a free particle, your action is proportional to phi squared, which you can check out, um, think about, because it's the kinetic energy term will be one half m v squared. So it actually looks like a Gaussian, and we can solve it that way if we have a free field. But in general, we don't have just nice quadratic terms in our action, so we have to do the Monte Carlo to see um, what different observables look like. The one that I looked at was called the correlator, or the two-point function, where you look at it's effectively the probability is if your particle starts out at some point, what's the probability of it moving to another point at some later time t? and then so on and so forth, and you could use that to extract the rest mass and the particle momenta. And so that if you can get the, resolve the spectra of, a, of an operator, or in this case of spectra of the particle from these path integrals, and that's pretty useful in things like lattice or in quantum chromodynamics and other fields. It's tricky because you need, and when you're looking at a lattice QCD, you have to take the limit as the space becomes continuous again. So as the lattice spacing gets very tiny, and the volume of the lattice goes like becomes infinite. And in, like say in certain field theories like QCD, in particular uh, quantum chromodynamics, it's useful to talk about it on a lattice because of the fact that as you take that limit to infinity, 
and as you get closer and closer to a particle that interacts strongly, the force of the interaction actually dies off. And so you can do these limits without things blowing up. But if you're in like quantum electrodynamics, QED, you get, as you get closer and closer to say an electron or a proton, you end up with what are called ultraviolet, or, or you end up with what are called divergences, or ultraviolet divergences to be specific, which is this idea, which is this idea that if you were to do the path integral, like look at the path integral and actually calculate it, or if you were to try and solve it perturbatively, it actually becomes infinite. So you have infinite mass or infinite charge, things like that, which doesn't make much sense when you really think about it. Yeah, but so in order to work with uh, quantum electrodynamics, at least perturbatively, they go through a process of what is called renormalization. And so you have to introduce counter terms in your Lagrangian or in your action to balance out and kind of absorb those divergent terms. So that way you just get the, like the non-divergent terms. And it tends to work. If you are a mathematician or you ever showed this to a mathematician, there'd probably be an immense amount of pain from looking at this, but it's it works. It's not pretty, but it works. Um, I'm trying to think. What was I talking about again? Uh, I'm battling and I can't even remember. How old am I? Not that, not old enough for that. Uh, hmm. Um, uh, so action. Oh, and then the other thing is there's no really well-defined momentum cutoff in QED. So it's like you can talk about with, some, with the renormalization, you have to kind of decide what scale you're looking at. But you can't really say, okay, I want to explain this sort of physics, so I look at this sort of scale. But with the lattice, it's much harder to do that. And so it's hard to say, because the lattice is non-perturbative versus the perturbative. And so it's hard to define the physics or break it up the way we do in QCD because of the fact that you have confinement phases and deconfinement phases and baryonic matter and mesonic matter and gluonic matter or quark matter. Yeah, so it's just, it's much more complicated once you get outside of physics, which is, or once you get outside of QCD, which is why you don't really hear of QED on the lattice, although it's known to happen, you know, the Schwinger model. Um, all right, I'm going to cut this off here because I've been talking.